Welcome to the Seventh Art Podcast. My name is Christopher Heron. I am the host of the Seventh Art, and I'm joined here with uh, Brian Robertson, one of the producers of the Seventh Art. Hi, Chris. Today's uh, interview that we are uh, podcasting is with Mia Hansen Love, a French filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, we sat down with Mia. It was in last summer. It was in the summer of 2012. We were all younger, uh, happier, <laughs> and we uh, we were super thrilled. Mia Hansen Love is is. An extremely interesting filmmaker. And she's um, she's an, she started as an actress. Yes, quickly moved into filmmaking mm-hmm. uh, and has a very very strong uh, resume in that regard. For and sure. uh, first things first, we were we were afforded the luxury of uh, interviewing her because they were doing a retrospective of her work at uh, Tiff Bell Light Box mm-hmm. in Toronto, and um, and we were super grateful for Tiff for for both bringing her just mm-hmm. as cinephiles to the to the city, but also allowing us this access. Yeah, and as, uh, on top of that, um, they uh, sort of gave us um, a space at the Bell Light Box, which was a first for us. Um, you know, uh, traditionally we would interview filmmakers at cafes or bars here in the city, and um, I think time was tight with Mia, and we didn't really have um, that much room to wiggle in terms of getting her around and bringing her to space. So, um, uh, yeah, I think Brad and uh, Lena suggested uh, that we shoot it at the Bell Light Box. is an interesting case where, I guess not interesting in the spectrum of people we interview, but uh, I, I do truly believe that each one of her films uh, is better than the last. Uh, they, they continue to improve. She has three features, um, All is Forgiven, uh, The Father of My Children, which was her breakthrough, I think, at, at least in, in North America. And then Goodbye First Love, film that I, I'm still seeing uh, journalists and, and, and cinephiles coming to mm-hmm. uh, even today as, as one of their favorite films from the past few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, that came out in 2011. I mean, they're all very interesting films. Uh, this, is, this is an interview where we, we really do focus on the themes. We, we talk a lot about the, the themes because she only has three films and because we had a, a decent amount of time to talk to her, we were able to really discuss the three films in a kind of auteur fashion, discussing the uh, the recurrences in, in both theme and form that I noticed. Um, and we even got a, a fair bit of time at the end to talk about her the film she was a, going to start production on, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, called Eden, I believe, and, and is about the French house scene mm-hmm. uh, that you may know from, say, Daft Punk as yeah. being maybe the most visible. I just heard the other day that Greta Gerwig was cast in that. They no, haven't I, started shooting it yet, so I mean, it was st- I think still in the script stage then. Yeah. But it was uh, a lot of fun to talk about that, and I think this is something maybe Brian, as as one of the directors of, of the video magazine, might speak to. But uh, at least on the visual level, um, the, the interesting setup when we were talking about that that film in particular, uh, I, I think that was when a completely blinding light yeah. came into yeah. the uh, <laughs> the venue, and we had to actually stop to. Uh, deck ourselves out with sunglasses which we left in the uh in the video um we filmed the interview sort of in the early morning and um yeah the sun kind of just poked its head around um one of the skyscrapers and instantly blinded mia and she put on her shades and then of course chris followed suit yeah i I usually wait Uh, like i don't (laughs) i don't want to do anything until i've got a sign that it's permissible by by the guest I think I think that this is a lot of fun. Uh, at least I had a lot of fun doing this interview. Um, 
it is, I think, the perfect storm of only having a few films to talk about right. and having a long time to talk yeah, about Yeah, exactly. Um, I, th- I think it works if you haven't seen her films, uh, giving you kind of a primer of what they're all about. Mm-hmm. I think it works if you have seen them as, as an opportunity mm-hmm. to, to push a little deeper into them. So this is uh, Mia Hansen Love? Mia Hansen Love. I hope you enjoy it. I'm interested that with your three films that they're being played together and kind of they've got a, a title for all three and you've also mentioned that you're interested in maybe moving away from those themes so I'm wondering how to you those three films sit side by side like on a program um, <clears throat> actually I'm, I'm really glad that the films can be shown together and that that um, the people who show my film, who, who like my film, like are uh, um, solidary with the idea that these three films belong together, because I really make them with the same energy, but not only with really the same kind of emotion or inspiration. I even if, of course, and uh, the films are not the same, and you can maybe even like oppose them sometimes. But I think what they are about, basically, and, and, and where they come from is the same. Uh, to me, there are different versions um, on a quest for uh, meaning, in a way. There are films about destiny, there are films about passing of time, and these three films were made in a way for me to both like to turn a page and try to keep trace of uh, uh, of both of like moments of my life, but also of people that uh, had meant a lot to me. And and there are films that there could be flashbacks used, but there isn't. There's kind of like you. you you said that like, it's like turning a page. It's like a linear. It's like a path, maybe. Or yes, it's it's quite impossible for me to imagine writing a film. Maybe I will change my mind, but now, where I would use flashbacks, because just because I guess my films are so much about passing of time that the notion of what is present, what is future, what is past is very accurate. So there is something almost like sacred in it for me. So I can't like just play with it in a way like I would say we can uh, I put like a scene in the beginning of the film uh, um, like that is now and then I go back to the past and then again to the future it would be so much like contrary to the kind of feelings I'm trying to transmit because I'm trying to give a sense for the public of this this the fact that you can't that you can't stop the time, so there is an artifice in the. I mean, of course, cinema uses artifice, and why not? But this one, this one specifically, is just um, 
so much uh, uh, the contrary of, of uh, the kind of feeling of truth I'm trying to, to, to transmit. So on the other hand, though, there are, there are gaps in the time. And, and I find it inter interesting because in, in Goodbye First Love, there's a conversation about gaps w in, in the car um, where um, she believes that nothing happened. She calls it a void. Uh, and and uh, But um, the architect, he, he thinks that, thank you, uh, everything matters. But the film has like, clearly left those moments out. It's funny because that you mentioned this scene because it's actually like the scene that felt when I wrote it as being the, in a way, uh, like for what it was said in the film, like really the crucial scene, not only of this film, but maybe of the three of them. Like, like it was for me as if at this precise moment I was really expressing, telling what I had been trying to approach with my films this paradox that um, you have, that I think you have in my films of that the fact that you have a notion of despair and, and a notion of like uh, um, feeling of being um, totally impuissant, sorry, uh, powerless, and and. Not free in a way, and 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 this other other notion of accepting your destiny as being the only way to actually being free. So there is this trying of. I think the characters in my film try to, to, both to, to become free persons, which is not something that is given to you, something you have to learn, and they're trying to accept their destiny, and it could sound like being two contradictory things and, and I think my three films are trying to to make them belong together or to show that they belong together. Yeah, it's like there's a in some movies it's more with the, the parents and, and other in the, in the most recent one it's more maybe with the relationship but there's kind of a power to that connection and also a weakness and I think that's kind of what you're saying about having the freedom to, to move on that you sacrifice something but also gain something. Yes, and it's also about um, accepting the fact that moving on doesn't mean to uh, mm, just destroy what you have been, like the memory of what you have been before, just like de deny uh, um, uh, the past and the fact that you have to um, to accept it as being part of you even if you uh, don't like or even like hate in a way uh, what you've been and you have that even in all is forgiven with with uh, the main character when when he when they meet together again him and and his girl it's it's possible only because they're both they're in a way they are in peace with with uh, with the past, uh, and they don't really try to go back to there and try to say who was wrong and who who was right and and the guilt and that they're just uh, moving forward, but just knowing that that they they know that it has happened, but they just you can't just you can't change it. It's just like that. And something that you can't change 
is, is the death that happens at the end of that film. And I'm curious why maybe that event would occur at the conclusion. And you have a, a major death in, in Father of My Children in the, in the middle of the film. You mean why in the first one it occurs at the end? Or, yeah. what it yeah. or, or just why it occurs? Yeah. Well, no, why at the end? Because it, it seems like an interesting decision to place that. Well, to me, it was not like a decision. Like it's not like I wrote the script and progressively I, I arrive to the the end of the script and then I am thinking like how should it end? It's more like it was the purpose of the film. It's because he died. Like because I knew this character would die, I had to make the film. And my three films came. Actually, my I think my three films come from this kind of necessity. That they, 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 they the three of them have have to do with grief, actually. And maybe that's also why I feel they belong together, even though maybe I will always write on things that are connected with death or uh, uh, grief and things like that. But in this case, it was very obvious that I would not, I would, there would have been no film, I guess, if, if uh, there was not this man who was close to me who had died. So it's not like I could change this. It would have been such a betrayal like to make him live at the end. And I think the whole film was there to try to understand or t if there is a meaning in this in such a life, if it's not absurd if if it's it's because you could think it's just absurd at the end. Why so much suffering and and meeting again and then dying where you could just start a new life. And I don't think the film gives the answer. I think none of my film gives the answer to so, such difficult questions. But I, I think, well, to me, the, the existence of the film, the, f the reality of the film is the only answer. It's just, it's just to me, a, a relief that the film gives a reality, to, not to these people because they are not, it's not them, it's just characters played by actors, but it gives a reality to my desire to keep memory of them and it gives a frame to uh, feelings and to memories that that would otherwise disappear and get, that helps me and gives me the, uh, an, a feeling maybe it's an illusion but I, I don't feel it as being an illusion it, it helps me to have the feeling that that's that these people, um, these these people's, these these people survive um, through um, our to through our to the expression of our uh, um, sorry <laughs> the fact that we make portraits of people uh, to me makes them uh, being be still alive in a way. The, the, also in my second film, Father of My Children, it was all about this question of surviving your death. Is it nonsense or is, is, is there a way? Does, does, uh, um, is there, is it, does soul mean something? Does it survive physical death? And the question in Father of My Children was if with a, um, 
it's more like the films who makes the soul like live on of Grégoire Scambert's soul live on, or if it's more his children and his and the love that his wife and children have for him, or if it's both. Well, she mentioned the eldest daughter mentions that her her soul is French in the, in the film, despite <laughs> being half Italian. Um, and I'm I'm wondering the importance of place. Like that's a film that maybe not in the story is place so key, but clearly in the film it opens and sorry, the father of my children. Yes. It opens and, and ends with those shots of Paris, and, and there's that line about the soul being French. So. What is the importance of place in, in the films? Well, they are extremely important, and I think even more than that. I think um, that's the how do you say sorry dramaturgy. Dramaturgy comes in my films uh, from uh, a lot from the atmosphere and from what places inspire me. I mean, what I mean is when I write, I write, when I start writing a script, I start with a desire to make a portrait of somebody, I start with a, an emotion, a certain idea of somebody, but then the, the one thing that helps me constructing the film and the dramaturgy of the film uh, is the places, actually. It's not like, like I think some people would, for instance, would write this way saying like, oh, this should happen so that you understand this and that, and then this and that, and then this should happen, and, and then it would make that this happen. But for me, it's more like, oh, I, I need to have a scene here, because it's, the, it's impossible to explain it, because it's something just, it has, it's invisible, but because there is something in this place, in the atmosphere, in the, um, to me, like places have a, a soul or something. So they, I want this to be here, and then and then and then it's going to be here, and then here. And I don't even know what's going to be in the scenes. I just want them to be here, and 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 it gives me a frame. And inside that, I feel totally free, and I feel also confident that once they are put together, it will make a story. So I don't, I don't, I feel confident that I don't need to tell a story. That the story is being told from itself by the following of the different moments in different locations. And there are usually two. Like There's usually like one that plays off of the other. So like in All is Forgiven, you have Vienna and you have Paris. And there's kind of the urban, rural in the following two films, like the difference between the city or, or the, with the family home outside. And Paris is very much present in the three films, but never as a place where you stay during all the film, but always, it's always portrayed also through the contrast between Paris and another city or country. Or um, I think that's also one of the things that makes the film even together. There are, I think there are three films about Paris too. Um, I, I, I knew very precisely for in, in each film like in which district this film is going to happen that I don't know like for instance when in my first film the main character meets with her daughter again I knew uh, in which park in which area of Paris this is going to happen and to me this was meaningful it could not have been in any other park because there is a certain specific uh, atmosphere in this area it doesn't tell the same kind of things than in some other places so 
um, and it was even more accurate in Father of My Children, I think, because uh, I couldn't uh, disso dissociate uh, the uh, producer, his company, to a certain area of Paris. And I tried to me portraying him and his world was also uh, finding the right way to filming to film this this area of Paris. And is that a kind of autobiographical element, like the the like kind of uh, the associations that you have with maybe where something's going to be? It's not necessary. Uh, I mean, places are not necessary places that belong to my own history. I guess they are, uh, in some cases they are, but sometimes I, I have to know them just a little bit to just have the notion that I want to film them. But like, for instance, in Father of My Children, we filmed in this area, like the Faubourg Saint-Denis, it's, a, it's a, um, near like Les Grands Boulevards between Republic and Les Grands Boulevards, and it's a very busy place. Uh, you have a like it's very um, a lot of noise, a lot of cars, all kinds of people, and it's really like the very uh, it's a very like uh, you could say it's the very heart of Paris in a way. Uh, and uh, but it's not an area that I know or that I have a history with, but but it was very much connected to the character I wanted to portray. Um, it's only in the, in the, in the last film, in, in the third film that I've made, that I, that I actually filmed places uh, like that works kind of intimate, um, because this film was more intimate than the two other ones. But it's not in the, in, the, in the second and first one, there were places that I knew, but not necessarily like places where these scenes had happened in real life or things like that. So the, in, the, in, in Goodbye First Love, the kind of, what is it? It's, is it Ardèche? Is that the, uh, the place, the, the house? Um, is that the one that you're mentioning that it has an association or? Yes, it's, it's a, it's a, a place where my grandmother has a house and um, forever. I mean, I've been spending all my holidays there since I was a child, so I know this. And I didn't film in, in, in my house, but I filmed all, like, all the locations, except the house are really the ones, like they're not like looking like the ones I know. They are the ones I know. They are the places where I go swimming. Yeah. And actually I try, I was not sure first that I would film in these precise places and I tried to find others because first I thought maybe it's more interesting to as I did for the other films to change a little bit the things the places and uh, for this film it was just impossible even though it's not a matter of like beauty or because there were some places that were like, even more beautiful or spectacular than the ones that I've decided to shoot but I just had such a long history with them that I, I think I, I had a, an idea on how to film them and there was a relationship to these places that was so strong that 
I felt it would have been more superficial in a way if I had had to film another uh, another river, another lake. It had to be these ones. And the house is so important. Like I mean, Camille says that it's like her dream house, and that. Oh, the other one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, like you know, the house where they are staying, like that is supposed to be her house. This one is is not a house I knew before the shooting, but the one house where they go, where the picture is, and where she says it's a dream house, and to me it's like, it's the very heart of the film in, in terms of aesthetic, because it's where, it's both, it's the house that unites both her love for Sullivan, her, and her vocation, actually. But this house is really um, the house that is near m my actual house, well, my grandmother's house, and uh, it's really my dream house. <laughs> it's a place I've been uh, spending so much time, I've, I've been spending so much time there, it's, uh, and uh, it's a place that has to me some magic that no other has, so I didn't feel like I could... I, I tried in the beginning, but I didn't feel like I could find this kind of uh, poetry this place has uh, anywhere else. Because it's a house belonging to... Actually, it's, it's a very old, simple, traditional house, like with no ornaments or anything, but it's it, she's she belongs to quite famous uh, art, uh, German artist, and in the details I can feel how much uh, their relationship with art uh, uh, is present in the house. So the, the, to me this house is both like nature and culture, and I think the film is also about that. So that's why I think this kind of places you cannot really replace. I mean, it's unique. <coughs> that section kind of has a, a almost dreamlike quality too. Like you said, magic, but and then she calls it a dream house. But it also happened like the switch from uh, uh, from the urban to that is so quick that it's almost like a a, a dream it's, itself, um, and it kind of stands apart from the rest of the film mm. uh, formally. I think it, it's it has to do with um, my own uh, relationship to c country because I I've. Like I've 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 been I've lived in Paris always like since I was born so I, I always lived in Paris like in a small uh, um, a little bit dark flat uh, flat uh, not very nice one although I I loved it but then in the summer uh, I would go in this place that is like the one place in France where you have the few people it's like totally empty it's really like country you have no tourists because the weather is not so good and it's the, the oldest mountain so it's like empty you have so much space it's wild and um, when I think of my childhood there is always this contrast between like the some somehow like um, I wouldn't say hard life but like more uh, gray quality of life of Paris and then the illumination of the summer uh, and when people ask me uh, where what were the films that you have seen as a child or adolescent that has that that have uh, impressed you or make you a filmmaker or what are the books like where where your vocation comes from I always say that I feel doesn't come from 
I feel like my imagination wasn't built by films I've seen or books I've read, but much more by the time I've spent there dreaming and doing nothing, actually. Is the editing kind of intuitive like that, as you're describing? Because especially in All is Forgiven, but also I'd say the start of uh, Goodbye First Love, it seems like scenes end maybe quicker than they would uh, by other filmmakers. Like there's like a, a rhythm, a, a tempo that's faster. Um, Thanks for saying that. I hope it's true. <laughs> because I'm kind of obsessed with rhythm. I guess most of filmmakers are in a way or another, even if they prefer like slowness or speed or but I, it's like a, especially in the editing because it's addi addicting so I'm I, but even in the script and like I can read it so many times again like over and over and over just to check if the especially like the um, transitions if they are um, enough like rhythmed uh, rhythm yeah. um, and, and my editor is, she edited all of my films, she's a close friend and, and I think she has the same kind of, she's a maniac too about this. And especially again the transitions. And the one thing we really care uh, about when we edit is that to try to make the scene not have a beginning and an ending, you know? Like that's, that's what gives me at least the feeling of reality is, is Every time when we like we make the first draft of the editing and we watch it, we would say things like, "Oh, I think the scene we should start a little bit later or finish a little bit earlier because I can feel it's like the beginning of the scene, and that makes me feel like I am on the set, you know. So that's why I'm always trying to make you feel like the film has begun before you were able to watch it, and you're taking, uh, how do you say in French? We have this expression: "On prend le train en marche." The train has already yeah. been going, and you you catch it. That's that's really like the principle I have, the very simple one for editing. In uh, in all's uh, all's forgiven, it also it seems like there's going to be intervals that are taken out of the life. That, that, there's going to be sorry. Kind of an interval like interval. Ev every. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Like every so often, so it doesn't seem like this scene is necessarily important in a cinematic sense, but like. It's just a series of, of moments. That's, yes, that's, I think it's, it's, as I was telling you, it has to, to do with the way I'm writing, not trying to make a story look like a story where, where you have all the, the moments you need to have. But I, I always wrote, wrote with this faith that it was more interesting to just tell the moments you want to tell and then trust the viewer to uh, construct the story through these moments. And so it means that sometimes you can have scenes that are really necessary, like, I mean, scenes where things are said as you expect them to be said. And sometimes you can also have scenes that could be totally taken away uh, from a like, professional point of view. But ultimately, that's these scenes, I think, will give the most essential things um, because also that's the moment where you you express your freedom uh, saying well yes I choose to make like two scenes two very long scenes on an apparently non-important moment in their relationship and I choose 
to make uh, to go very quickly on moments that could be a lot more expanded because they are so melodramatic for instance and I think uh, I like I try to, to feel totally free in terms of this supposed preconceived like the uh, passage uh, obligé thinking that it will give the identity to my films that, so that they will have their, yes, that in this way they will have their own identities. I was never in any film school, I, I was never taught how to write a script, so I never had also to get rid of all the rules to find my own way of writing. I had to find my own way anyway because I didn't know how a script was supposed to be written. And I think if I was asked today, I still would not know. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting that um, the structures tend to be things people talk about, but I never get the impression that you put as much weight or, or emphasis on those structures than how people kind of receive the film or, or watch it as an audience. Um, I Sorry, I didn't understand that. Well, a lot of people comment on, say, all of the films having maybe two parts to them, mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem like in the film that that's emphasized by, by your filmmaking as much. No, it's true, and actually, I'm asked often uh, why it's like that, and I, I feel like sometimes people think it's something quite theoretical, like as if I wanted to uh, uh, propose a new concept, formal concept, and actually it's not like that. To me, it's more that I, I the form I'm, I'm choosing, the way of telling the story, and. Uh, the structure and anything doesn't come from an intention to uh, uh, impress by inventing a new form, but it comes from a very strict imitation of life. But what is life to me? So I guess it's not the same for everybody. But I'm just trying to depict the story as, as it happens for me. For instance, when I did Father of My Children and everybody would tell me, why, why, oh, the thing that I loved about the film was that you had him die in the middle, it's interesting because the, the film is divided in two parts and why, can you explain us why, why did you do that? And I didn't do that because I, was, I thought it was interesting or because I wanted to uh, um, uh, surprise, but it was just because the, the, the idea of the film, the desire of the film from the, comes from there meaning from the uh, uh, observation uh, of the situation as being like, like that. Like, I mean, I've known a producer during one year and we had, um, it was a strong relationship, but it was more, more than that. I, it was for me the discovery of, of a new world and of a certain energy and, a, and of a person who had an extreme, uh, uh, a, a certain, Rayonnement. Uh, yes. And then he died. And then during a couple of months, even though I, I, I would go there only like a couple of times, but then I became like the witness of something else, another world. And there was this woman, there was his woman who was taking care of the company, trying to finish the things. And there were all these people who were like lost and they were 
all these questions and, 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 and his absence and everything. And so, you know, the, film, the fact that the film is divided into two, it just came naturally for me from my experience of the, of the two moments who are opposed and connected. And so to me, making this film is for me a trying, trying to, to see if this is a whole, if, this, if there is a coherence in that, if it tells something, or if it's just chaotic. You've got, a, <coughs> you've got inner titles in All is Forgiven. <coughs> what was the decision behind kind of uh, visually marking these shifts? I think it's in, maybe in a very like naive or childish way. It's my ap attempt to put order, you know? <laughs> I've read, I've, I, I just, I'm just reading a book about, uh, and uh, it was funny to read exactly that. Like, it's a writer called Klaus Mann, and he says at some point he says, uh, "Writing is nothing else but trying to put order in life." I don't know if it's, if it's, the, if it's the right translation, but like to order life. And uh, it's so true to me. Like the, the when I write, it's nothing else than than that. Like trying to, I don't know, in almost like put things in, like. Like, you know, like you arrange sa chambre, arrange your room? Yeah, yeah. It's the same, basically, but with, except it's not a room, it's like, it's your life. And I'm just trying to do that, and it, and it was so, uh, it was more, I guess it was more raw, more simple, the language or the translation of that in, into f f uh, language of, uh, into films, in my first film. So it was like, that's why I, I really wanted to have this, like under title saying so it's nine years ago and then that <laughs> happened and then, and then after I guess for the second and even more for the third the more it goes the less I feel I have to show I'm doing that because I know I'm doing that anyway but I don't need to show the, the couture uh, it's one of like the few kind of really obviously formal devices in the films that draw attention to themselves. And another one is kind of the iris in and the iris out in uh, Goodbye First Love. And I was wondering uh, what made you choose that? Mm. I think because from time to time, I I think from time to time, it's, it's interesting to, uh, I think it's something like, again, that has to do with like, childish attitude of mine <laughs> like I, I thought it was just I don't know um, there, there is some kind of innocence about that to me that I, I try not to, to lose somehow like doing that I, I could think like is it really like a good taste to do that and then I thought I, I don't care I just <laughs> like it you know and I think from time to time just to uh, feel free about your own principles and not to be like too ideological about the form or too rigid um, that's the kind of rule I, I try to follow actually I try to be not ideological about the filming and and if at some point I want to do something even if it's it's even surprised me that I want to do so I just think let's do it you know it, even like the water the song you have at the end the first time when I was thinking of using this song, I, I was totally sure I would not use it because it was so obvious. You know, it's, I, I was listening to the song by accident, actually. Like, I just when I was editing, I happened to listen to the, the al second album of Johnny Flynn. And, 
and there was this song and it and I loved it and it, and it was and I realized that lyrics were so close to my own film and it was as if he was trying to say the same thing that I was so I thought oh I, sh I, I have to use it and then I thought no, I can't use it. It's 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 too obvious. It's like liter liter literal literal, and and then I thought, so why not? It's just and uh, the more it goes, the more I trust like uh, uh, obviousness. Mm -hmm. um, the music's really interesting as well because uh, it gets talked about a lot. But one thing that stands out to me is that it's very kind of international and it marks kind of different cultures and that's something that also is a subject that plays into for instance the international business of film and, and the father of my children or for instance uh, Sullivan traveling and, and uh, I'm wondering how those two kind of pair together because uh, one thing stands out when Sullivan's wearing kind of the Studio One t-shirt after he's had his travels it's like it's deliberately showing that connection between maybe um, a what is the global village? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm not sure I would say the global village, but for sure I would say I feel like I believe I, I feel I I don't I don't like so much this expression like citizen of the world or something. Yeah. But at least I would say I feel I'm deeply European more much more than French. And I'm always astonished when people tell me like that my films are so French. Oh, actually yes, I feel my films are very French, and I'm kind of proud of it because I love. French new new wave, for instance, and I feel as I, I would love to be an inheritor of that. So it's not like it's not a problem to me. But then, as a person in my identity, I feel I feel much more European. Having a my father is, I mean, my mother is French, but my father was born in Vienna. His father was Danish, and I I feel much more like I belong to this history, like like you know, like the history of, for instance, of Austrian people before the war when it was still as cosmo uh, so much when it was the even the symbol of European cosmopolitanism yeah. I, I feel much closer to that than to like French only French like identity and I think I think my choices of music and the kind of désinvolture uh, freedom or I don't know exactly the word but I have choosing like the fact that I don't try to choose music that is French because we are in France and that that would be like obviously connect to the culture of the characters like I, ch I choose sometimes like Irish Scottish songs uh, American ones it could be that could be French but it just or Violetta Parra or things like that it's just because I I don't feel I have I'm belonging to French culture actually. I really like the use of the raincoats and uh, mm -hmm. and all is forgiven because at first it's kind of like post-punk, but then everyone just gets so excited when they're covering the Kinks, right? Like it's mm -hmm. like you get that those levels, right, of maybe not being so tied down to one specific yes. spot. Yes. Yes. I'm also interested uh, in, in, in that film with the, um, what did I write down here, the uh, kind of the juxtapositions, we were talking about editing, Sorry, the, the juxtapositions, like sometimes the, the montage has two things, because it's like ending before it should end and it's beginning later than it should, so they kind of like, there's more power from uh, one scene to the next, like I'm thinking of where they're fighting in the kitchen and then there's the breakfast scene and it just seems to like, 
come in a way that's not natural, but that makes it more natural in a way. Because it's maybe how you remember, how memory works, where... I don't know, I, I think I just try to put moments one after the other and not trying to underline the uh, connections. And I'm, I'm also always interested in, in, as you said, hard for me to say in English, but in the contact between like different materials like like landscape and, and a city, uh, uh, a scene with where people talk a lot and then the silent scene. I think the, the mostly I think it's the contrast between very different uh, uh, types of scene once they are roughly put against one another that interests me. I think it gives things that you not always see in films where mostly the material, where in man, because I mean many films the material is more homogenic hmm. and I, I'm interested in this constant like contrast from one scene to another and that's why also I think in my film you have, it's not like you can say because sometimes I'm said, oh, you, people talk a lot in your, in your films, but it's not really true. Actually, it's half and half, I would say. You have scenes where for a long time people talk and say a lot of things, and then you can have 10 minutes of almost not, not talking. And I think it's this kind of dialectic <laughs> construction that I'm interested in. And the scenes where, someone, where people aren't talking, often the camera's kind of following someone. But what I find interesting about that is that it's not usually as tight as most films. It tends to be like a longer shot showing someone maneuvering or walking. Sorry, I didn't understand that. So many of the scenes when people aren't talking, uh, the camera tends to... When they are not yeah, talking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It tends to like follow a character kind of walking, kind of the way the films follow the path or the river, as you mentioned. Mm. But it tends to be like a longer shot, like it's more of a distance between the, the person and the camera than usual. Mm -hmm. I think I... I, I it would be interesting, I mean, you can do that for many films, but if you notice something about the filmmaker's style and then you put together all the things that are, that are the same, it would be surely strange if you would take, for instance, in my film, all the shots of just people walking. I think it would make a whole film. <laughs> like, I guess you can have like one hour and 40 minutes, like just about like young girls or men walking. And, uh, but I do believe that you can get a lot of what people are and of their presence by filming them walking. And I was actually surprised to hear like a friend telling me, somebody who writes on, on films, he's, he's just written a book about uh, people walking in films. And I'm interested to read it because I think it's, it's uh, an aspect of the films. Well, it's something that is very much, um, and I guess will always be very much present in my films. I can't imagine like filming people only like that and not seeing their whole body and I need to see them when they walk in the street I need to see you know the whole body. I think in the way like how slow or how fast they walk and where they put their hands and how they balance or something you get things that you will never get of of them when they are talking but at the same time when people talk it's not only for me about what they are saying I mean, people think you make them, you film them talking because you want to make the audience know about certain things. 
what they are saying, but to me it's it's as much that as just see what their faces express. I find it just beautiful to see people talking and it tells me things about them, not, not just because what they are actually saying, but just their expressions. And that's, that's, that's what moves me. Well, there's, there's something Bressonian about like, uh, the way Bresson emphasizes gestures. Or, or well, I think it has, I, I, I mean, I, I never try to imitate anything of his style because it would be ridiculous, but I think, at least I think the desire to film that has a lot to do with him, or I would to say it in a different way. I think that's, I guess that's what moves me so much about his films, because he found his own way, unique way to get like spirit of people through filming their moving or their gestures, or I don't know how to express it. But. Are these gestures things that maybe you notice when you're casting? Like, is it? Yes, I think it's maybe it's the, the one thing. I think it's the one thing I, I look at. I can't. I, it's hard to. Like when I make a scene with an actor when I'm casting, it's not really about seeing how good he is or as an actor or if he can do this or that. It's more. It's more about. Uh, uh, feeling, what. Uh, what is the aura of this person? And for instance, uh, Constance Rousseau in my first film, who we met, we met her on the streets, and to and we we she was very shy. She was not an actress. She was like 15 years old or 16 years old. She was in high school, and uh, she was hidden by her hair at that time. Like she had hairs everywhere, and uh, but she had this incredible aura. It was almost like like uh, surrealistic in a way. I mean, there was something more about her. And that's why I'm trying to find with the actors. There's something about her eyes and like they, they, the way they kind of scan, like they're always kind of moving. Yes, she has a, it's not a sickness, it's just a, some people have that. It's just like she can't, her eyes can't really stop moving in certain situations, not always, but like they, it's, uh, it comes from her father, her father has that too. But I wasn't aware of that when I was moved by her the first time, and I'm sure it has to do with that, but I think it's the thing that gives, that makes her beauty even more strong with that is that it's like, she's like a little animal, like, you know this kind of trembling, tre uh, tremblement? Tremble. trembling it gives to her face, mm. uh, very subtle one, uh, the fact that it gives it um, it gives her beauty an extreme fragility. Yeah. And I think that's that's what makes made to me her presence so moving. I think it was it had to do with this. It was it was a fragile fragile beauty, and in a way that was really unique. I thought. Are you still planning on making the uh, the French house? Sorry, but like the sun is <laughs> like. Can I wear like I ha I think I have sunglasses. I. I don't really like to wear them in interviews, but I think otherwise I'm like, I'll be like. Put mine on the wall, man. Thank you. Um, are, are you still working on the uh, the French house? The is it Eden? Is that the? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm still working on it, and it's like it's gonna be a long, big adventure, I think. Um, 
Um, and I just hope we're gonna shoot next next year. It's good, and I think the English title will be "Lost in Music." Yeah, and that's a reference to the the Sister Sledge. Yes, yeah. <laughs> mixed by David Mancuso mm. in yeah. a French party. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that has an association with uh, Larry uh, Ann, right? Like, wasn't he uh, someone that used that a lot? Like, in what was who? Paradise Garage? Is it yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, the film is about garage. I yeah. mean, the film is about a French DJ who, like, with his friend, creates a garage duo in Paris, and they are like the one and actually only ones who like uh, transmit, like, who make garage be known in Paris because they just belong to this house culture music, but they are the one who uh, who chose garage and made made it for a couple of years famous in Paris. And the film is about this um, the success of electronic music and of this group of very very young people in the nightlife in Paris in the years like 90s until today. So it's like leading up to kind of Daft Punk becoming. The Daft Punk are there from the beginning. Yeah, oh really? they are like yeah. they, are, they are 18 years old <laughs> when the film starts, and we kind of lose them after, but we're gonna see them because they they they. It was a kind of it was a group of young people who did things together when they were 18 and. Daft Punk were part of it, and my brother was too. And I actually, I, I've written the film with him. And it was very funny film to write. I mean, it was very exciting to write this film because we had the feeling, the same kind of feeling I had with Father of My Children, that it's a extremely like rich territory that has never been explored yet, and it's it's. Uh, it's very exciting to tell, but then it's very complicated to finance too because because of the rights of the music and because it's a two-part film, so it's a like a three hours and a half film. So it's not the kind of the kind of money I need to make this film. It's not the kind of money you get for the films I do <laughs> usually. So we have to kind of invent a new way of um, producing with this film. So it takes more time and I. I just don't know if we're gonna make it. Is that like impacting the maybe the music selections that you're gonna have, like the clearance costs and? Mm, hopefully not. I think it would more the the money we get to make this film will more probably more impact the length of the film. Mm -hmm. I guess if we don't have uh, enough money, we, I will have to cut the script. But the film is happening during 20 years, so. I don't want it to become a, like a best of. It's, it's it's the opposite what I'm trying to do. The opposite to a like best of like the box set. Our, our best, <laughs> our best memories. You know, it's not really about that. But then, if I have to cut, it's going to be more difficult to tell the story as I want to tell it. Well, it sounds like an interesting structure compared to your other films because time's so important in all of them. But and it's like marked out specifically in in at least two of them. But. This is the only one where there's a marker that is more historical, that someone will understand why it's that period. Like, for instance, All is Forgiven specifically starts in 1999, but there are no events in it that like someone would recognize yes. as being 1999. Yes, it's true. In this case, the difference, the big difference will be that all events are connected, I mean, are openly, like, you could say, historical events, mm. like the nightclubs exist, have existed, and I don't know that the, for instance you have like the first songs of the Daft Punk yeah, like 
happen to a precise moment and the film will constantly uh, well often be referred to this real moments that other people know that is not only your, uh, like an intimate story and what point does it end at like what musically like where is the death of <laughs> of garage music yeah. in paris <laughs> well no it ends today 2011 okay. it's not today anymore because it was two years it was when i wrote the film one mm -hmm. year ago but mm -hmm. it ends in 2000 it, it starts in uh, 1992 and ends in 2011 uh, the last club that you see in the film is the one called Silencio, who was designed by David oh, yeah. Lynch. <laughs> That's the last one. That's his Moho and Drive uh, themed bar. Yes, yeah. Yes. Well, thanks so much, Nia. Thank you. <laughs>